wonder how you would describe the state of the world at the moment. Um, we see war all around. We see economic challenges all over. We see climate chaos, racism, and on top of all of that, we've, we're still going through two years of a global pandemic. And I think all of this can sometimes lead us to feel a bit of sen a sense of hopelessness, actually. But I want to suggest, what if this was the very time that God was calling the church to really step up and really experience the hope of Jesus? What if this was actually the church's finest hour? What if this was a time that God was calling us to lean into his hope and to share that hope with others. Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing as you walk to, uh, along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened here in these days? What things? He asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us this morning. They went to the tomb early but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who had said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it was just as the women had said, but they didn't see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it's true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. 
Thanks, Jess. So this evening we're going on a bit of a journey, as Jess did, from the back of the church. And we're going to go through that journey of these guys on the road to Emmaus. And they journeyed through a time of disappointment and suffering and confusion, really, doubt. And we're going to start at verse 20. I'm um, sorry, for those of you that like to follow it, we are in Luke 24, I think, is that right? Luke 24, verse 20. And we're obviously looking at the theme of hope this evening. So firstly, we're going to think about shattered and disappointed hope. So in verse 20, a disciple of Jesus named Cleopas explains to this stranger on the road that the chief priests and our rulers handed Jesus over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. See, Cleopas is clearly feeling confused and disappointed and wondering like, what happened to Jesus. He'd hoped that Jesus had come to be this victorious and mighty, triumphant saviour, but actually he created a lot of enemies. Actually, a lot of people hated him. Actually, he ended up dying this really horrific death on a cross that would have actually generally been for, for slaves and thieves and for sinners. And Jesus is walking along right next to Cleopas, but it's interesting that at that moment he's kept from recognizing Jesus. So he's, Cleopas is probably thinking, like, none of this makes sense. You know, we put all of our hope in this guy, and now he's gone. So what do we do? You know, he perhaps felt disappointed, lost, abandoned. Perhaps he felt lacking in purpose in that moment. And I wonder if you have ever felt like that. Or perhaps you're even feeling a sense of that tonight. Maybe you've prayed for something and that prayer wasn't answered and you're feeling discouraged about that. Maybe you had hopes and dreams that were crushed by your circumstances. Or maybe you've been battling with an illness or mental health issues, perhaps. Maybe you've lost someone that you love, or perhaps someone close to you has lost their faith along the way. And I think there is a place to be really honest with God about these things, about our hurts and our failures and our disappointments. But I think sometimes Christians, we're not actually very good at doing that. Um, but I would just like to plug the Unanswered Prayer course if that's something that you're struggling with. And we're starting that on Wednesday evening. We'll be um, in the church here, I believe. Um, so that would be a great opportunity if you feel like that's something you'd like to go deeper into. But Cleopas, I think he really thought that he'd understood Jesus and what he was all about. But actually, his hopes and his expectations had been quite crushed. And I'd just like to share a little bit of my journey with you this evening. And I'd like to take you back to when I was 12 years old, the worst year of my life, actually. And I moved from 
Surrey down to Poole. And it was a really hard time for me um, adjusting to a new school. I didn't know anyone in the whole of Dorset. I had left behind my oldest brother and sister that still live in Surrey. And I think to make matters worse, my parents thought it would be a good idea to put me in an all-girls school. I don't really know what they were thinking, but I was just really struggling. And one day I just started crying like loads at school and just sort of breaking down a bit. And I was wanting to get sent home really, but my teacher probably saw through me a bit and she was like, you're not ill, just, you know, suck it up, man up. She probably didn't say that because it was a girl's school, but yeah, you get the point. And I think I just began really questioning, like, God, are you there? Like, what's, what's going on? And just questions, yeah, about does God really exist? Does he have a plan and a purpose for my life in all of this? And it was a difficult time of feeling quite alone and watching a lot of mindless TV at the weekends, not really knowing what I was doing, perhaps feeling quite unsettled and a bit depressed. Um, but we'll go back to carry on with my story a little bit later on. But as we continue with the passage tonight, we see the amazing thing is that Jesus provides us with a hope that does not disappoint. In verse 25, Jesus said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Now, we don't actually know kind of what tone that, that Jesus said that in, but I actually think that these, these guys, these disciples of Jesus would have actually been quite serious about their faith at the end of the day, they're following Jesus in a time of Roman imperialism, in a time when it wouldn't have been easy to say, yes, I'm following Jesus, to be a disciple of Jesus. And actually, it's a time when there was a lot of persecution and people could even be killed, put in prison for their faith. So I kind of imagine Jesus saying that statement, not in a kind of how foolish you are kind of way, but perhaps in a bit of a more kind of lighthearted way of, you know, how foolish you are. Come on, like, I'll show you. I'll, I'll explain to you what's going on. Um, and then we see Jesus kind of unpacking this verse for us, um, the, the passage. And, and Jesus goes on to say, did not the Messiah have to suffer all of these things and then enter his glory? Verse 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. See, Jesus walks along alongside these guys, and we don't actually know the name of the person that Cleopas was with. It might have even been his wife, possibly, or it might have just been another guy that was one of his disciples. But either way, Jesus, he comes alongside them and explains the scriptures to them, and he explains it in a really dark time. In this moment, they still don't recognize him, but he starts to explain through the scripture, through Moses, through the prophets, actually, this is what happened. This is kind of slowly unpacking who he is. And I just want you to think for a moment, how would you feel having Jesus himself walking alongside you, explaining the Bible to you, like that was probably the most amazing kind of sermon ever given, probably the most amazing exegesis or explanation through the Bible given by Jesus himself. And he shows them that he really is the Messiah. They, they don't yet realize it in this moment. But he is the one that's been with them all through the scriptures 
and he's not abandoned them. And he shows them that if we put our hope in him, ultimately we will not be disappointed. So then we see these disciples um, inviting him into their home. Jesus kind of pretends, oh, I'm actually going on a longer journey, but they invite him in, so he comes in with them. He accepts their hospitality and eats with them. And in verse 30, we read, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And then, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? See, it's interesting that it's during this really kind of special moment of communion, this special time of breaking bread together, and suddenly, in that moment, they realize, this is Jesus. Jesus is in our midst. Jesus really is alive. Jesus hasn't left us. So to continue my um, story, my testimony, um, the worst year of my life actually turned into an amazing opportunity, and I actually got saved kind of shortly after that time and I came to know Jesus soon afterwards and yeah after that year um, I started going along to a church with my mum and I met a youth leader there called Ben Griffiths who was very passionate guy at that time he still goes to this church with his family and I just realized wow Jesus is alive and he's someone that I want to know and and gradually school got better I got a few more friends life got better I adjusted to being around girls all the time and you know I started to meet with Jesus and he gave me his living hope and at that time my life it went from a lot of confusion to now having clarity from having not much purpose to finding my purpose in loving God and serving him and from a time of depression to a time of joy. I think it also helped that we got a little dog at that time that I think my mum wasn't very impressed with, but it brought me and my dad a lot of joy. And yeah, I was given that hope from God that, you know, the future would be full of God, of good things because God is with me. And I do believe that that, that's what God wants to give us tonight. And I'm, I'm very aware that the past kind of two years have probably been really challenging for, for many of us. And I do believe that God wants to do something amazing kind of through you and around you as he did for me when I was a teenager. And the story of the resurrection is as true for us today as it was 2,000 years ago. You know, we don't serve a savior who's dead We don't serve a God who's distant and out there and has forgotten about us. No, we serve Jesus, the Son of God, who is present, who is here in our lives, who wants to work in us and through us today. And he knows the suffering that we've been through. He's he's been there himself. He's experienced it too. And he knows what it's like to feel abandoned and alone. And he wants us to encounter him on our journey on our road to Emmaus. He wants us to know his hope in these difficult times, in the dark times, in those times when it just doesn't make sense, as well as the times when it's all going well. 
So I'd just like to share a, a few brief kind of practical points as well as we continue through this theme of hope. Like, how do we kind of cultivate this hope in our lives? Well, I think some of us perhaps need a new perspective. And I'm very aware that as we listen a lot to the news, to negative voices, I think that can actually get quite draining and quite exhausting, and it can start actually sapping our hope. So instead, we need to listen to positive voices, read positive things, meditate on the word, spend time with positive people. You know, what if we imagined that actually the best is yet to come? What if we imagined that it's in this season that the church came most alive and our nation repented and turned to Jesus? What an amazing hope and perspective that would be. But, you know, to do this, we need to spend time with people with hope-filled perspectives and listen to hope-filled you know, sermons and podcasts and things that really lift us up and encourage our soul. And it's also good to remember all the good things that God has done in our lives. And I think a really good way of doing that is keeping a record, like writing down the good things that God's done and turning back, looking at those encouragements in times when we're not feeling great. And we also need to keep God central in our lives. We need to keep our eyes fixed on him and in what he is doing. We need to focus primarily on Jesus, not on the circumstances that we find ourselves. Because as we focus on him, he helps us to deal with what's going on in our lives. So let's meditate on positive things and not negative things. Meditate on God's words and listen to positive people and sermons and let's remember to write down the good things God has done and let's keep our eyes fixed on him so just as we continue with the bible story verse 33 states that they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem there they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. And then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. So this hope in Jesus is a hope that's worth sharing. I don't know if you can feel that, that joy, that excitement in these disciples as they rushed at once straight back to Jerusalem to tell their friends that Jesus really is alive. It really is true. And after I um, became a Christian and came to know God at the age of 14, I started kind of telling my school friends about him. One of my friends came along to a Christian conference called Soul Survivor, and she became a Christian there. And I started inviting my friends um, along to events. And one time we had this kind of games night, um, yeah, when I was in about year nine, year 10, and all my friends, well, 14 of my friends all came into this church. We just played lots of games like sumo wrestling and weird things where you put on those special outfits. Um, it's brilliant. Maybe we should try it, actually. Maybe this is prophetic right now. Maybe this is going to happen here. Who knows? Andy's up for it. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, slight distraction. But we played all these games. And then afterwards, a guy called Rico Tice, who runs Christianity Explored, he came and he shared the gospel. He shared the good news about Jesus um, with my friends and with about maybe 30, 40 other people that were there. And I'm just really thankful that through my days at school, like, most of my friends had an opportunity to really hear the good news about Jesus. 
that if I think back to last weekend, it seems like a long time ago now, doesn't it? But it was Easter, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So it was last weekend, I was in the supermarket and I was chatting to this guy on the checkout and saying, oh, what are you doing for, for Easter tomorrow? Um, and he just said, oh, well, actually, I'm not working this year. Um, but, you know, when I was a kid, I used to eat lots of chocolate, but I'm not really that bothered about that anymore. And I just wanted to say to him, like, don't you know, this is like the best celebration ever. We're celebrating that Jesus is alive and that there's hope. And I just wanted to kind of shout it across the supermarket, but there was a queue kind of building up behind. So I just said to him, you know, God bless you. Have a good Easter. And as I walked out the supermarket, I thought, you know what, it's Easter. And I walked past these three guys that, that looked like they were probably homeless. And I just said to them, like, I'd love to give you some chocolate, which possibly wasn't the best idea because lots of them couldn't actually eat chocolate. But hopefully they saw the goodwill um, gesture. And I just said, look, guys, is there anything I can pray for you? And um, one of them said, oh, actually, I've broken my shoulder recently. It was in a pretty bad way. They actually asked if I could go to the off-license and get them some drinks, but I suggested that... I probably very cheesily just said that actually I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm interested in like your well-being and your soul. So I can't do that. But I can pray for you. And I prayed for this guy. And I would love to say that he was healed in that moment and that he jumped up and he gave his life to Jesus. But that didn't happen. But I do think it was sowing seeds. And he's a guy that I've met kind of a few times on the streets before. And I just hope that as I see him, as I encourage him and bless him, that you know he'll be more open to to hearing more about Jesus. Um, and I guess what I want to say with that story is that all of us can sow these kind of seeds of hope. We don't know what those seeds might do, how far they'll reach, but you know, as we sow them, God can then water them and cause them to grow. And you know, I believe that all of us here, we have a story to tell, and all of us, we can you know, share those seeds of hope. So no, I'd like to encourage us, why don't you have a go? Have a go at perhaps offering to pray for someone when they share a need. Or, you know, have a go at sharing part of your story, perhaps. Or just finding a way to bring hope to, to people around you in your community. You know, wouldn't it be amazing if people came to us and came to the church because they wanted hope, because they wanted to meet Jesus? So this evening, we have journeyed through kind of shattered and disappointed hope to a hope that does not disappoint and to a hope that is worth sharing. And I believe that Jesus, he wants to give us kind of fresh bread tonight and just that deeper revelation of, of who he is and just his amazing love and the hope that he has for us and our communities around us. You know, we need Jesus himself to come and pour in his hope. And, you know, just one encounter with Jesus and his hope can really change everything. So maybe let's just close our eyes for a moment and let's just pause and, and just wait on God, see what he wants to do this evening. You know, if you could do with some hope, then perhaps ask Jesus to come, to come and show you how much he loves you and to show you, you know, the good things that he's doing in the world because he does want to take our questions and our longings and our disappointments and our failures and he wants to bring hope into our hearts tonight.